Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, good. I, I got to get my, my video going here. Hold on. Sorry. All right. There we go. There you are. Yeah. Hello, John Novosad. Hi, Helen. How are you? Good. good. Yeah. I, uh, I'm pretty sure we've never actually officially met. Yeah, I, I was wondering that myself. I don't think we have. I don't think we have. I've seen you do, I mean, I've seen recordings of your comedy, mm -hmm. but uh, I've never even got to see you in person yet. Wow. And are totally you totally on me, you know? No, no, that's, that's all right. I believe me, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to see you at least once. I don't, you're a legendary. <laughs> well. Is it weird to be told you're legendary when you're still alive? Yeah, it's kind of weird, especially if people, you know, introduce me that way, man, it's scary because then I'm walking out on stage going, damn, you know, yeah. it raises the bar pretty high. Yeah, it always, uh, I did um, Billy Joe's like online show mm -hmm. and before she was like, this great comedian, she's so <laughs> funny, blah, 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 just really built me up and I was just like, no, please don't do that right now. I don't even yeah. know what I'm going to say for 20 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah, and especially on an online show, either <laughs> either way, but. Yeah. Um, it was fun. I didn't, I wasn't on board with those things at first. So. Yeah, I'm doing more and more of them, but. I did one last night and it was actually fun, but it's weird. Yeah, know. it's like really fun while it's happening, but then when it's over, it almost makes me feel more hollow, like casual sex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a good time, but now that it's over, uh, <laughs> I feel worse. Uh, yeah, this, this podcast has absolutely no form. Um, no one's going to listen to it. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's just really distracting me at the moment. Oh, and it also goes up with no editing. So keep that in mind. Okay. I'm just throwing it up there. I'm editing That's... my other one severely. So I don't have time to edit this shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. So how, how have you been, how have you been doing? You know, I'm doing all right. I'm glad that I'm home and that I wasn't like trapped on the road somewhere during this. Um, you know, I, I'd say that my emotions change almost hourly to where I'm like, uh, I, I can do this. I can make it through this to my God, I can't stand another day of this. And I don't want to be in this house anymore. My, I live in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. So, I mean, I go out for walks and stuff like that, but I really am, you know, following the stay at home orders. And I want, obviously want this to be over as soon as possible. So I'm trying to do what I can, but yeah, it's just, it's a roller coaster ride. The other night I was watching Colbert and he had John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater. I mean, I'm an old guy, but he did that song have you ever seen the rain with his family? And I'm sitting there just cheering up going, God, it takes on a whole new meaning. Have you ever seen the rain? Yeah. I'm looking at the rain right now from my one bedroom apartment and it's pretty damn gloomy. You know? Yeah. Do you have a pet or anything? 
No, because I, you know, I was, I was going yeah. out on the road at least two weekends a month. So I didn't want to have a pet and yeah. I've been divorced forever. I mean, I'm used, you know, being a road comic, I'm used to spending huge amounts of time by myself, but this is like, <laughs> this is like a, an endurance test or something. I was explaining to some new comic the other day that, you know, going on the road and being a road comic is, is lonely. And you know, cause she thought you'd be out there and it'd be, I was like, no, it's a lot of just going, doing your show and then going back to wherever it is that you're staying, comedy condo or wherever. Yeah, you're just alone a lot. And people yeah. come up and talk to you for like five minutes, maybe at the most, maybe buy some merch and then they're gone. Yeah, there's some weekends that, and it depends on where you're going. I mean, some yeah. places there's more stuff to do, but but even so, I'm always thinking about the show in the back of my mind and trying to, you know, keep that as a priority. But there's plenty of weekends where literally you talk to, you know, the people at the hotel, uh, the people at the club, and then some fans afterwards. And if you go to a restaurant, or a, but you know, it's all just there's it's transactional <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah so yeah it is lonely yeah it's uh i've never done like tours where i go to comedy clubs but i've done shows right so a lot of times i don't know anyone that's there not even the other comics right and occasionally you click with one of the other comics but yeah so, sometimes you do you know and i mean sometimes I always say this, like all the years I've done this, I could probably count on one hand the number of comics that I worked with where I was like, man, that person was a jerk. You know, so, but it, but that said, there's a wide variety. Some some comics are polite, but they like to stay by themselves. They don't want to, you know, and there's other comics, like you say, you meet someone and let's go to a museum or a ball game or whatever. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of a, you know, mixed bag. I could be either one of those comics depending on the day. Yeah, I can too. I can be the, hey, I need a wide birth comic or, you know. Let's go let's do go. stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I am actually, um, I, I live with two roommates with me and we're not friends. We're not unfriendly. They're awesome. They leave right. me home. Um, in fact, like for the first month I lived there, there was a period where she thought maybe I uh, killed myself <laughs> in the room. Um, because my car hadn't moved for two days and they hadn't heard me. Um, but my car was broke down and they didn't know it. Oh, yeah. And then they just didn't ever notice me coming or going and using the bathroom because I was never home except late and they were already in bed. And yeah, so uh, she was like, we were, we were going to go in there and check on you, but then, you know, you came out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, uh, and she had a, she had a, when I first started living there, her boyfriend was there and then he was gone. He seemed like he was there for a while and then he was gone. And I was like telling somebody, I was like, I think maybe they broke up or something. And they were like, why don't you ask her? I was like, cause if they did, what if she starts crying to me and telling me all about it? I don't, <laughs> that's not the relationship we have. And I don't want to get that started. So no, I don't blame you. You know, they're 25 and 26 too. So they're a lot younger than me. Mm -hmm. they could be my kids <laughs> but they're more responsible than my kids or me so but yeah so I'm just like alone in a bedroom though I don't really go out in the rest of the house 
that much. Uh, we don't spend time out there. We do luckily have a small yard so I can go in the grass, but I did have my dog. Um, I was going crazy. So I'm in Wichita oh, okay. where I'm from just for a couple weeks. I mean, I'm not moving back. Um, Cause I was like, well, I'll go here. I'll wait 14 days. Then I'll go back and then I won't go anywhere for 14 days. And then I should be all right. And my friend Lynette was just tested and she's good and she works from home. She doesn't really go anywhere and she was going crazy too. Um, and, and so I'm trying, I know I should have stayed at home, but I was trying to do it as safely. I was going crazy by myself. I, yeah. I'm not yeah. used to it. I don't, I can't take it. Um, yeah. So I'm going back though. Uh, in you know, a minute. In a little bit, days, week and a half, something like that. I'm back to, but I'm leaving the dog. I'm not taking the dog back with me because he's miserable. Wow. He does not like being the only dog. Uh, he doesn't like being the only animal. And then he is trapped in that bedroom with me. You know, we go outside to go, to, but not like we used to. He used to go to Mike's with me. I took him to dog parks all the time. You know, we were very active and he's, doing weird stuff like humping my leg yeah i mean it's got to be hard for the animals too and i think you know that's one of the biggest adjustments that this whole thing has done for me i mean i literally have to think about if i want to go outside what is it that i need you know try to maximize that trip outside take whatever garbage out go for a walk, get my mail, quarantine my mail for a day before I open it. You know, I hate to be paranoid, but you, and like you say, you know, I just used to walk outside, go do whatever the hell I wanted to do. I would do five, six, seven shows a week, even when I was home in Colorado and come home at like one in the morning, you know, and not think about it. Now it's like, if I'm out after dark, I'm like, who you know is this the apocalypse what the hell's going on i mean it's crazy i think when the last time i've been out and about when it's dark yeah. i think it's since the last time i know that i definitely recall was march 14th because that was the last show i did up in loveland mm -hmm. i was definitely driving around in the dark then but i don't think I just realized that I haven't been out. I haven't really, I mean, I've been out in the yard at dark with the dog. Yeah. I've gone a little bit out in the neighborhood. The last show I did was March 10th at Comedy Works South. Yeah. And I, you know, took the bus and everything back, got home at like, I don't know, 1230 or midnight. And it's funny. I, I wonder about my neighbors cause I live in an apartment building. So I was coming home all the time after midnight checking my mailbox, you know, and I try to be quiet about it, but it's a lock and you have to jiggle it. So they would hear me, I'm sure. And then they're probably like, what the hell happened to that guy? Cause now, you know, I'm not, I'm not checking my mail at midnight. I mean, I, I go out during the day and yeah, weird little things like that, you know, just seems so weird now. At least I'm just, I mean, I have a car. I don't have to take city transit. So sometimes I just go for drives. Like I don't get out of the car. I just, right drive around you know like i drove by archer and broadway see what was up with irish rover or mutiny and stuff mm -hmm. it made me sad because it was all boarded up but they had inspirational things on the boards painted 
Yeah. But it was weird. It was just weird to see everything boarded up. And then I went up in the mountains around like Lookout Mountain Park. Mm -hmm. It was like a Saturday and it was before the snow. And uh, I'd never seen so many people up there. Even if I'd have wanted to park and get out, there was nowhere to park. Like all along the road and the park's parking lot was just full of people and cars. And I was like, you people don't care. <laughs> I know, that's, that's the most disappointing thing to me. And I see that and I'm like, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be months and months of this. They don't care about, Kansas doesn't give a shit. Like, um, the, like the people working at grocery stores, like Walmart and like the bigger grocery stores do, but like, you know what quick trips are, right? You've been around. Right. Yeah. yeah, the quick trips, they're not wearing nothing. Like the yeah, working great. there. And then, because I stopped for gas in Park City and I went to a quick trip and nobody had, you wouldn't have known there was anything going on. No one had a mask on. No one that was working there or anyone anywhere had anything on. And then, yeah, I don't see a lot of people doing what they need to do um, unless they're at a larger restaurant. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to get super political, but when you see... I guess I am going to get political, but when you see the vice president of the United States at the Mayo Clinic yeah. and he's the only one not wearing a mask, yeah, you know, all these doctors, all these other people that are, are wearing masks, you okay? Oh yeah. Don't, I'm just looking for my vape. But it was like, you know, I'm like, this is the vice president of the United States and he's not wearing a mask. What the hell kind of message does that send to people? You know, and a lot of people think, well, the mask isn't going to do anything anyway. And it's like what they say, I'm not wearing the mask to protect me. Yeah. The mask to protect the people around me. I just hardly, I, and it's like, I'm not, I don't even go out that often. As little as humanly possible. To, yeah, me too. Like, like, people are just strolling around Walmart, like making a day of it. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. And I mean, I hope, you know, that this gradual reopening and, and some of the places like Georgia and Florida are doing even more. I hope that it works, but I'm also, you know, pessimist in me is like, this is just going to prolong us all being at the stay at home thing, you know? And even when the comedy clubs come back, what is that going to be like? Yeah, I don't see the audiences, at least not in Denver, uh, the Wichita Looney Men may have their best season ever just because of the the people that majority of the people that frequent the Looney Bin are probably going to be um, people that are cool with everything opening so yeah <laughs> that's, I mean that's just the crowd that's there that's the crowd that likes it um, mm -hmm. you know well enough to support the comedy club staying open. So, and I've done shows there. They're not my crowd. They're just not my crowd, but there's plenty of comedians that make them very happy. Yeah. I've done shows there too. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I've done some shows there. They, I mean, they don't hate me or anything, but yeah, it's not my thing, man. It was funny because like maybe two and a half or three years ago, I was working Wichita 
the loony bin and I was flying from Denver. So I'm like, this is going to be, you know, it's an hour flight or whatever. So I had an afternoon flight. I get to the airport. The flight has been canceled and United is like not helping me at all. And I'm like, I'm going, you, you guys, I'm going to get fired from this gig if I don't. And she was like, I'm sorry, we can't. So I walked to another part of the concourse and found a different United counter customer service counter. And that lady was so helpful. Um, she got me a flight into Wichita. I didn't get into like 8.45. So I'm, you know, going back and forth with the club. They had somebody circling the airport. And when I landed, and I had checked a bag, I landed, I went right to the curb. They picked me up, drove me to the club. They had a, I can't remember what the guy's name was, but it's a local guy who was a doorman. who was also a comic. So they put him on also. Was it back, was it downtown or was it out? Two, three years ago, it would have been downtown. Yeah, I think it was downtown. Was it Dorman? Was it a black guy? Yeah. Chris. I think it was Chris. Chris Winslow, yeah. And so he did some time. I literally got out of the car from the airport, took a leak, grabbed a beer, and went on stage and did, they told me to do 40 instead of 45. But uh, it was surrealistic, man. I felt like I was in a dream, you know? Just yeah. to get off a plane, go into a car, get out of the car, go do a show. And then they took me back to the airport to get, get my bag. <laughs> it's crazy. And that, that, you know, that's one like where you're like, it's an hour and 10 minute flight or whatever. This is going to be a piece of cake. And it turned out to be. That's if you buy a direct flight. Yeah. And I did have a direct flight. Yeah. But... Otherwise you're flying down to Dallas or you're flying up to Chicago Yeah. or something crazy like that. And then to Wichita, it's insane. Yeah. I just drive. I've yeah, done, I don't blame you. I've done that drive a lot between Wichita and Denver. When I I started comedy four years ago, and then like I think thirty days in, I went to Denver for the first time for mics, and then I say I've had a long distance relationship with Denver comedy ever since. And then you know, uh, my brother, my little brother, is a comic too. He started like six months before me, and he. He's come out to Denver, not quite as frequently, but he stays longer when he comes out. And then um, we've brought comedians to Wichita. He's brought Sam Talent here a couple times. Oh, that's cool. I brought half of the Pussy Bros mm -hmm. to Wichita two years ago for a festival. That's awesome. And Zeke and, Zeke and Allison, because Allison lived, her family's around here. I've done two or three shows for them. So I just love Denver comedy so much and I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many of the shows come back. Yeah. Well, I have, I have, uh, I know four that are ready to go as soon as the pizza place can open. Oh, that's cool. Um, but yeah, like you said, like, well, it's a very small place too. It only, like, it only seats 60 and that's if you are really cramming them in there. Right. Um, so it's a pretty small venue. So as long as the restaurants are open and you can have 50 or less, we can technically do it, but will we? Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. And then, I mean, will they have you know, updated guidelines 
that you have to be six feet apart, you know, because yeah. I, I think before the, and I didn't, the last show I did, like I say, was March 10th. And I know the Comedy Works was open later than that. But I know like a couple of days or a week before they actually had to close down, they were doing that social distancing thing and probably cut the room size, at least the downtown club, mm -hmm. probably in half. They were like having maybe 100, 120 people, you know, with people spread out. And I think that's probably what's going to happen for a while. Um, I don't know, you know, hopefully they'll find, I'm working on a vaccine. Everybody's working on a vaccine. I'm going to try to get this thing cured so we can go back. But I mean, hopefully they'll get something like that, you know? Yeah, a vaccine would be uh, the best. But even fast tracking that, you know what I mean? It's going to be a while. I can't remember who said it. I saw it either on Twitter or like, Facebook or Instagram, but someone was like, even if they get a vaccine, I'm going to wait a few months to see, <laughs> you know, what the, what the repercussions are. Let the, uh, they wanted to be like in a, you know, a placebo. They're not going to be the first adopters of the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Usually with like, um, medications, I like them to be out for five years before I take them. Yeah. I don't think I'm waiting five years, but no. I don't know, man. You know, it's like at a certain point, I don't know. Yeah, you're risking other people. But I, I explained it like this to my mother who was with my dad until he died. And they were together since high school mm -hmm. and in love the whole time, like 40 something years. But I was like, imagine like when you were first married, if you <laughs> were um, like no kids yet. And you were told that if you and dad were around each other you might possibly maybe we don't know kill each other you know maybe more than likely but who knows i don't know maybe would you stay away from him for a year and she was like no and i was like that's comedy <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. it's the love of my life it's all that i have <laughs> no i know what you mean um and that's yeah i mean that's how i knew you know, that I still love doing this because I would go down to Denver from Boulder when I was in town five or six nights a week and do shows for, you know, a little bit of money and sometimes no money. But if people were cool, I was just happy because I, I was from that school of, you know, I'm getting something out of this too, even if someone, and I, I'd never thought people were taking advantage of me because I can look and see, you know, if someone's charging $10 a ticket, and they have a 150 seat venue and it's sold out and they're paying me 60 bucks, then I'm going to say something. But you know, you look around, there are these little rooms with 20 people and there's no cover charge. It's not like the promoters of the show are raking in the money and screwing me over. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm getting something out of this because I can work on my set, you know? And that's how I knew that I wanted to keep doing this because I'm driven to do it. Even after all these years, the shows are the most fun. You know, that's yeah. what I, I really love doing. Yeah, I like, I I like DIY shows or alternative comedy, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, a lot more. I like rooms like, um, I haven't performed there, but like the Denver Comedy Lounge. Yeah. Um, as an audience member, I know that, like if I don't have anything to do on a Friday or Saturday night and I want to go do something, I'll go there because I know the show is going to be good no matter who's on it. So. Yeah. 
Um, so like alternative rooms like that, that, that uh, aren't comedy clubs are my favorite. Yeah, those are fun. I, I did the Denver Comedy Lounge probably in early March. I did the talk show that Ben and Anthony have, and that was yeah. fun. Um, I haven't been there forever. But you haven't won? I'm sorry. I haven't been there in forever. Oh, yeah. But I always liked it. Um, yeah, I just miss hanging out with the comedians, you know, outside the mics most at this point. Yeah, I miss that too, you know, and that was something. Um, I would go down to Comedy Works on Tuesday night, which was New Talent Night. And, you know, lots of times I'd get a set, but sometimes I'd just go down there and hang out. And it was fun because you saw, I would see, you know, old friends. I'd see new, newer comics. You see every, you know, the whole spectrum. And it was fun to just go down there and have a beer and hang out and talk to people, you know. I really do miss that. That's a big part of my social life is comedy. It's all of mine. I mean, I have some... I mean, I don't really know. I don't really have a lot of friends in Denver, period. Um, I have some friends that are not comedians, but they're all coupled up, you know, and yeah. cohabitating. Mm -hmm. So they don't go out a lot. I, I do know they go to dinner quite frequently together as couples. And I was like, guys, you can invite me. <laughs> I don't care. And they never do. Yeah. I was like, I can even pay for myself now. <laughs> <laughs> you can invite me. Um, they never invite me. So all I have is comedy and comedy friends in Denver. That's all I have. I have some friends here that aren't comedy friends, that aren't comedians. Mm -hmm. It's actually the opposite here. I don't really have a lot of comedian friends. They don't like me. And uh, some of it's justified, you know, it's two-way street. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not completely innocent and all that, but it's just, you know, we're just not compatible. It's nobody's fault, you know? <laughs> well, I hear you. And it, there's some comics that are really opinionated, you know, about what style of comedy they, they're judgmental about this isn't, you know, this or that or whatever. And I'm from the school of like, unless you're a hack or a thief, I don't care what you do. You could be a guitar act, a prop act, an improv guy. I don't give a damn. It doesn't affect me any. If you're a thief, that's one thing. If you're stealing material, mm -hmm. if you're a hack, then I just, I mean, I don't, <laughs> don't have a lot of respect necessarily, but. It's not for really anything I did comedy related. Oh yeah. These were interpersonal issues. Mm -hmm. For the most part. Um, but I mean, some people did have a problem because I started producing shows too soon yeah, as far as they were concerned. But it's Wichita. There was, there weren't any shows. You know, there weren't enough shows and mics. So I made my own. And Yeah, and why should that matter how long you've been doing it? To, you know what I mean? Also, I'm like, I started at 38. These kids... They were 23 to 26. I was like, you kids aren't going to tell me what the fuck to do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm not a baby. I'm not a child. Okay. I produced shows in 2006 for bands. I can produce a comedy show. Like, yeah. I don't uh, need your permission, kid. Okay. I could have been changing your diagrams. 
Yeah, well, and that's the other thing, too, you know, that I'm going to do as far as, like, my show and the material that I do. That's what I love about stand-up is I'm the one who gets to choose what I do mm. and how I do it. And if it makes me happy, and obviously it's got to make the crowd laugh, I mean, mm. I want, you know, my peers to appreciate what I do, but it's not the driving factor in my comedic life. Like I say, I'm going to do what I think is fun. I have, when I'm headlining, I have a couple of weird little props that I like to do. And I've had, I've had comics who were, you know, not necessarily bigger than me, but on the same level as me go, man, I never do a prop joke because I did a showcase once for industry and I did a prop joke. And this guy, some industry guy told him I would never hire you because you do prop jokes. And that's, excuse me, stuck with that comic. Uh, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat, stuck with that comic for a long time. But it didn't stick with me because I'm like, if that's the way the industry, if that guy in the industry is going to be like that, I don't want him representing me. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I want someone who sees me and goes, man, I see what this guy's doing. And I think he has, you know, something that I can, <laughs> for lack of a better term, exploit. Yeah, exactly. I think that I, uh, yeah, really, you know, everybody has a different path in comedy. And if if your path is to be able to just tour clubs and that's your thing and you like comedy clubs, um, then you need to listen to people that are successful in that industry. Right. Um, but Wichita and wherever, Wichita, so I'm going to kick there. And wherever um, the Looney Bin clubs are, those people love props. They yeah. love the cars. If you're singing, yeah. if you're a hypnotist, if you're, a, you got puppets, they sell out those shows. So yeah. they love that shit here. Um, you know, it just depends on what you're talking about. Well, and I just, I like having a prop or two, especially if I'm headlining and doing like 45 to 50 minutes, because I'm just a guy standing up there waving my arms around and talking. So yeah. I want to give them something visually different to look at, at least for, you know, a few minutes here or there. I just, right before um, the world ended, as I'm calling it, <laughs> yeah. um, I started doing a joke where I eat a banana. Um, in a weird way and it's this whole thing and I was actually working on it for my three minutes for comedy works um and I was just the 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 actual banana joke's pretty solid but the I'm trying to figure out a good minute to get in there that's punchy and funny you know so I was really concentrating more on the minute and discovering which exactly the perfect banana size and (laughs) ripeness for the joke and so it looks like I'm doing this really stupid proppy banana joke, but I have put more thought into that joke than I think <laughs> any other joke I've ever had trying to get it just right. Because I know if I can get it just right, it's really, really good. And it, it still works in shows if I don't do it just right, because watching me struggle to eat this banana is also funny, but it's not what I'm going for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, like, it's the first prop or anything I have up there. Um, I want to be able to do more act-outs and stuff. If I didn't have to hold a mic, and I right. could have both my hands, but it not be, like, a stupid thing. <laughs> I, 
Because there was a show I, the mic was broken. Uh, I was in Boulder, I think, in the basement of a hotel. I can't remember the name of it, but, um, but it was a very small space. You know, we're kind of in the basement. And it's right. hear us. They're right there. There weren't very many people. And so some of the comedians use the mic without it working. Um, some just talked without it, but were very uncomfortable and kept mentioning how weird it was. Um, and I just went up there and did my set and I was like, that was awesome. I just got to talk and <laughs> my hands, I'm a hand talker, you know? And, um, I was like, man, I wish I could just do comedy like that. Have you ever left the mic in the stand? You don't like, to yeah, move? but I like to move around and get down. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I just left it in the stand, I feel like I'm, if I just left it in the stand and I was just doing this, I feel like I'm giving a very angry political speech, uh -huh. like Hitler, you know, or something. Because I do yell. I'm very loud. And I don't I want to. I just I used to leave it in the stand. Yeah. And I, I'm a hand talker, too. And I just it actually it was in Oklahoma City. They kept telling me, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. And swallow the mic. So I took the mic out of the stand. And that, but I was still waving the other hand around and it works for me that way. But yeah, I know what you mean. You know, having it in the stand really grounds you to that one spot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was trying to, I was starting to like try to relax and just experiment with it. Cause it actually right now, um, it's not that my comedy isn't my main focus, but, um, getting booked to perform really isn't my main focus right now. It's been producing my own shows, which are all fundraisers for the nonprofit. It's really been about art of comedy. Uh, it's kind of what I was shifting into anyway, when <laughs> the world ended. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even trying to get bookings right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I want to see, I'm going to be cautious uh, when I start to come back out into this. Yeah. Uh, well, you are, I mean, I don't know how old you are. Are you in a risk age? I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm an older, <laughs> you know, are you over 60? Yeah. Oh I'm man. 60. So how old are you? Uh, I'm 64 actually. 64. Yeah. So I'm in that, you know, or right on the cusp of that higher, yeah, you're six years younger than my mother. How long have you been doing comedy? I started in 1980, but uh, I worked the road really hard from like 85 to 94. And then I, uh, I was married and I got tired of the kind of road work I was doing. So I came off the road and was working like, you know, temp jobs and part-time jobs and just doing the road work that I wanted to do. And then I got divorced in 96. It was funny because when I came off the road is when we really oh. started having some problems, you know, because I was all the time. Yeah, I was gone like three weekends a month for, you know, eight or nine years. Yeah. So I, I went through a divorce and then I was working a full time job. But I've been back full time comedy since like 2002. But I had like a six or seven year period where I was only doing maybe one show a week from like you know, 95 to 2001 or something. Yeah. Um, my girl's father 
was he was gone and only home on the weekends for the job he had and that was great he'd come home he'd give me the money he'd take some he'd spend friday night out with his boys mm-hmm. saturday was the family day <laughs> we'd hang out saturday night was date night and then sunday was relax and get ready for the week and then he was gone it was <laughs> um it was beautiful and then he stopped working that job and was home all the time and it was awful. I bet there's a lot of divorces going to happen after this. That's what I predict. Yeah, I bet so too. I mean, it's got to be a strain on relationships that much time together. Well, my dad was on the road most of my parents' marriage, um, most of my life. He was a roofer and so he would travel and then chase storms and then when he found a year's worth of work we would move there (laughs) it's kind of how it ended up working out and so um when he was home my mom would just let everything go for the most part because he's only there for the weekend why bitch you don't want to spend the whole weekend bitching at him so (laughs) it's not that big a deal he leaves his socks and he's disgusting and he's dirty and all this because he's just not going to be here that long so and then when that stopped by the time that stopped though they were old and uh sorry something happened over there um yeah by the time they did that they were old and they'd been together since high school so and they don't really believe in divorce they just kind of let everything go all the time (laughs) (laughs) just didn't talk about it that is one i i will give my my ex-wife Lynn credit because I was like a status quo guy. You know what I mean? Like we were married for almost 11 years and I'd say about nine and a half years in, I'm like, man, I don't know if we're going to make it, you know, but she, and she was the one who finally was just like, I want a divorce. And I'm not saying I would have stayed in there no matter what. I think eventually I probably would have, you know, said this isn't working. And we talked about it before it got to that point. But like I say, I'd say, at least 10 years in to an 11 year marriage, I was like this, you know, I felt like I was driving a car that was running out of gas. I'm like, we're not going to. Yeah. Yeah. You just coast <laughs> down the hill. Like, come on, make it to the, I did that once. I was, I think I was in Oklahoma. I don't remember. I was on the road and I ran out of gas because my gas gauge was fucked up and I just let myself coast. And I coasted down, I coasted around, I coasted through a light around into the parking lot. Wow. And I was like, and like right up to the pump. And this guy had followed me and he was like, oh, I was just making sure you were gonna make it, but good job. He was like, <laughs> I was like, I know, holy shit, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I got my gas, it was fucking amazing, but. I ran out of gas a lot. I, I kept gas in my car though because I'm mature. Yeah. Wow. So you had a gas can in your car? And it almost always had gas in it. Wow. Almost always. Yeah. It was uh it was pretty smart. That's my plan. I'm gonna get a van, man. I'm gonna build it. I'm gonna do it. That's cool. And I'm gonna live in it and live nowhere. I know a couple of guys who are doing that. John, uh, well, he was. I haven't seen him in a few months. John Spurgeon? Yeah, yeah. John is somebody I thought of. And I think Jay Gillespie did that, too. 
I lived in my SUV for like six or seven months, but it's not mm-hmm. something that's long-term sustainable. For, it's not warm enough in the winter, you know, yeah. stay in Denver. So, um, yeah, so I, I have plans. I'm just waiting for my federal return to get back to me from my student loans. And then mm-hmm. I can start it. I also am hopefully going to get a job at National Renewable Energy Lab. Oh, I hope you do. I don't really want to work at a day job, accounting job, but if I'm going to, I really need to be somewhere that I um, feel I'm doing some good for the world or something, you know? Yeah. Like the last one I had was for a high-end jewelry store, you know, Hyde Park. They sold right. reflexes and shit. Ugh. I felt like I was just part of the problem, you know? <laughs> It was gross. The grossness of greed and who need no one needs a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar freaking watch. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, that's wild, man. I can't imagine having that kind of money. I would. I would give it all away. I'm afraid that when I get my tax return, that it's a decent amount of money that I'm going to end up giving too much of it away. (laughs) There's been so many people that have helped me since, um, like with before my car wheel flew off and mm. I got a lot of paying it forward to do. I'm going to have to tithe at least 10%. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just tithe <laughs> it to the comedy relief fund. And <laughs> yeah, that's cool that they're doing that. Yeah. I, uh, the whole 5280 comedy side's pretty much just that at the moment. Yeah. There's nothing really to post. Um, I did make a new, we're doing the Colorado comedy connect.com. Just kind of long, but I feel like it was the best option. And then I just had the logo made and it seems to be, uh, everyone seems to be enjoying it. So I'll have to check it out. I haven't seen it. Yeah. I haven't made it. I don't, it's not like ready. Hmm to be public yet but it's gonna have it's gonna be geared more towards the audience than than comedians traveling comedians and stuff that's the whole goal but i it's also gonna have like um improv separately and like podcast again and um merch what I'd like to do is it to be a revenue source to have a consistent fund of money to help comedians when they have problems like I had on the road or there, there's been people with dogs that needed surgery or right. Megan or all the shit that happened to Megan DePoncho, you know, but yeah. um, she's having a hell of a year. Um, For sure craziness but you know it'd be nice if there was some sort of denver comedy or colorado comedy that would take like a whole thing though it'd have to be like a non-profit probably and then there had to be a board and there have to be procedures and but like in the grand i am start i just started a non-profit so i know how to do it already uh-huh. just a matter of like who'd be on the board and all that crap have to be some sort of way to determine that i don't know it sounds like a real pain in the ass but that's it yeah i'm sure there's a lot of weird 
bureaucratic <laughs> paperwork and everything that you have to do. Well, yeah, there's, it's not like the process of starting it isn't, but like picking who the board's going to be in a way that's going to make it a entity that is respected by the community, you know, the comedy scene. Cause if it doesn't right. have the respect and trust of the bulk of the comedy scene, it's pointless and useless. Um, Cause I've seen things like that happen, you know, sites that are made for, for, to promote comedy scenes, but then people get, they want power yeah, know, and they get a hold of it and they just care about power and their own self-interest. And then no one cares about the site and it credibility. That's the word I'm looking for. I want to make sure that it maintains credibility in the comedy scene. So that would be like a democratic fucking process. Like how do you, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably just, the, the Facebook group we have of comedy producers is like a hundred and something. So I guess that would be like, you get a say so if you produce comedy. Like I posted the logo in there and was like, hey, before I approve this, and is there anybody that wants to make any changes? Do we like this? And nobody objected to it. So I was like, cool. Um, you know. There's too many comedians <laughs> in the scene to care about everybody's opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could. I mean, I think if you tried to do that, it would be so watered down by the time. You know what I mean? It has to be. Yeah. There has to be some sort of bare, um, yeah, bare minimum requirements for your opinion to matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> and that's if you produce shows it's right. a lot of fucking work to produce a show even a shitty one uh -uh. I, know, I know i mean i've always said even way back in the day um i don't want to i don't want to be on that end of the business i produced one show in all the years i've done this and it was uh hippie man's plan for america and it was only because i had to produce it because i wanted uh, a guitar player to play a couple songs like in the one tune in the first act one tune in the third act I had to uh, you know pick some people to be the plan for America players they we did some sketches and stuff and so I did it out of necessity but as far as just like wanting to produce a stand-up show I've, I've just always been like I want to be on the side of the performer not i'm not picking sides but you well, know no, I, mean? I know what you're saying yeah for it's sure like, i don't i don't want to do all that extra work i'm not lazy but i would just no. rather focus you know that time on writing and, and preparing and, and doing my act yeah i um it's it takes all kinds to make a scene you have not everybody can produce a show saturates the scene but um i just like to focus on in denver anyway like on newbies is kind of my thing um i mean and it's all a fundraiser for the nonprofit, so that's my thing too but mm -hmm. that's i mean that's the only reason i'm producing is because of the nonprofit. to hopefully any funds i make over what it you know any profits i make can go into that that's what it is and so um that's the point of it. What was I going to say? I'm trying to remember my edible kicked in. Um, <laughs> I had a, 
oh, I like newbies. I like new comedians. I like, um, I think I found a very good way for me to um, have my addiction to comedy and help people. So, because I need, I'm a healthy helper, you know, and I've, I've spent um, a good 30 years trying to just help one man after another Mm-hmm. one you know and i've uh i gotta pour that nurturing into something into somewhere my kids right. have grown they don't need a lot of it anymore i don't want to keep wasting it all on some dumbass. so i'm pouring <laughs> it in i'm pouring it into my friends and i'm pouring it into the nonprofit, and i'm i want to pour it into like uh comedy comedy children as i say but i love new comics and their energy and they keep me young you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like to go, you know, to do, do shows down in Denver and go to the comedy works on a Tuesday night, even when I'm not working, because it is interesting to see, you know, the different approaches of the younger comics or comics who are a little bit more established, but haven't been doing it for years. And I mean, I remember when I first started doing it way back, you know, when I thought you had to do like a new four or five minutes every time. (laughs) Yeah. And I would just create this material. And then someone was like, you know, pick out the good ones and keep doing them. And it seems like such an obvious thing. But when you're first starting, you know, you don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like scenes like the Denver. Like there weren't like local scenes like that back then, were there? Like there definitely wasn't in Denver. No, I mean, there was just a few shows here and there. And, um, you know, there was a little bit more of like music venues doing a comedy night, that kind of stuff, but nothing like it it was before the pandemic. You know, I could yeah. maybe like in the eighties, I could get on stage twice a week, maybe three times a week if I was lucky. Now, I mean before this hit, you know, there were some I would do shows like eight, nine nights in a row. And sometimes, you know, two shows. Uh, at two different venues yeah yeah I uh now Wichita there wasn't a comedy scene until a few years ago maybe seven years ago Mm -hmm. and um you know those people that I say that didn't like me starting comedy too soon they were the ones who started the scene they were the ones already producing the shows and so um I didn't care about their opinion either yeah. I think really at the end of the day, I don't care about very many people's opinion. <laughs> I, th- I think that's, I think that's good. I, you know, I mean, um, I think that there's a lot of uh, protectionism in this business at every level. Mm-hmm. People are protecting what they have. And they think that if I either create an opportunity or get an opportunity that somehow I'm going to be taking some of, some of that away from them. But I mean, like I put it this way, you know, I've had friends uh, do the Tonight Show, you know, and the, my initial reaction is like, how did that person get that? I mean, I'm a human being. But then when I sit down and really think about it, I'm like, they got it because they worked hard. They went to L.A., whatever. But I, I also say to myself, it's not like the booker of the Tonight Show is going to go, well, we had a guy from Denver. So I'm not going to book John, you know, that, that person's success doesn't hurt me. It might even help me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, puts a flag on the Denver comedy scene. For sure. But like I say, I'm a human being. So I'll have that initial sometimes that reaction. But I always just, I give myself like, you know, a day. And then and I, I usually catch it faster than that and go, man, that's just wasted energy to be pissing and moaning about someone else's success rather than working on what's going to get me that success. Yeah, I think everybody has a different opinion of what success is too. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of my comedian friends, like their parents or family or people like stakeholders in their life, such as that, um, see it as money. Like, right. is this success? And, you know, I, I just want to um, make a fairly comfortable living which isn't a lot for me. I can live quite comfortably on $30,000 a year by myself. Um, so on comedy related things, it doesn't have to be me being on stage, but I, I want that to be a portion of it. So um, I just want to be a real solid feature, you know, just a nice solid right. and reliable feature. I don't really no. like headlining. I mean, I'm gonna do it. Please, no one ever, if anyone's actually listening to this, I will definitely take your headlining shows at bars and stuff, but to me like a headliner headliner, like a real headliner that has to do 45 minutes of an hour and is carrying the show. And uh, That sounds three nights a week or five nights, five shows right. in a weekend and stuff. That sounds exhausting. Yeah, and it's funny. It took me a long time to figure out how to headline with my energy and my style and stuff. I, you know, someone once said to me, and it wasn't necessarily directed at me, but I always remember this. They were like, there's a difference between doing 45 minutes and closing a show, you know? And I could do 45 minutes for a long time, but once I, and it wasn't like I just had this epiphany. It took a long time, but then all of a sudden, my 45 minutes got so much stronger and I, you know, I was like, Oh, this is what I need to do energy wise. And this is how, you know, I deal with the checks and it's not the same every time. Yeah. You know what I mean, I was a feature forever that had 45 minutes, but when I get to close a show, it wasn't my strongest suit and it's not my favorite spot in the show. I mean, another friend of mine said the feature spot is like the rocking chair, you know, you go up there, you have an opener in front of you. If they're good, you take the ball and run with it. If they're not, the audience is ready to laugh. But then you do your 25 or 30, you don't have that pressure of closing mm -hmm. the show. And it is, it's, it is extra pressure, you know? So. Yeah. I just, uh, so that would just, cause that would be just a portion of my income and then the rest could come from the nonprofit and producing right. and stuff like that. Um, so I can afford, just be a nice solid feature yeah i think that's a you know that's a good goal to have it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing i'm not gonna be famous um i want to be friends with famous people though yeah well that's I'm the fine. way i feel too and i mean i i look at it when i'm really being positive and optimistic i'm like i'm doing it you know i'm doing it. i'm making a living doing this i'm not you know a millionaire comic i and i you know I do strive. I want that national notoriety and all that other stuff, but it is great to just stop and go, look what I am doing here. You know, I've carved out a living for a long time doing this and it's, I'm the same way as you, you know, 
30 grand, I'll make it work. I live by myself. I have a fairly reasonable rate considering I live in Boulder in an apartment, but you know what I mean? I can make that work. And I don't necessarily, I don't need, you know, uh, a big garage with five cars or whatever the hell that is. I'm more interested in just to get to that national level because I think that would be fun to have that. But uh, even if I don't, I'm happy with what I've achieved. Yeah, no, I I would definitely be happy being Denver famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I knew I, Wichita famous wasn't gonna <laughs> wasn't gonna happen because Wichita. I'm just not my scene, man. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I know comedians that do fine here, but it's just not my bag. But, um, and, you know, why force my comedy on a, on a population that doesn't want it? You know, <laughs> <laughs> when there's one that does. So, yeah. like, when people bitch about Denver comedy or, you know, the many things newer comedians or people that visited here you know, complain about, I'm like, then go find your scene, go produce your show, go produce your festival or whatever it is that you're mad about. Go make your own mic somewhere else and find your scene, man. There's a lot of freaking comedy scenes in this country and they all have different audiences and they're in different States and there's an audience for you out there. Go find it. And I think that is, you know, the best reason to produce a show. It's like, if you don't like what the mics are like or what the showcases are like, why are you going to them and then bitching about it? Like you say, make your own, you know? Mm -hmm. And I get that. I respect people who produce shows. It's just, I'm lucky enough because I'm grandfathered in the Denver scene that, you know, I can not necessarily pick and choose what shows I want to do, but I get to do a lot of shows. So I don't have to create that opportunity for myself. And if someone, you know, whether a local or national producer treats me weird, I'm in a position where I don't have to go back to that, you know, but I do. I I mean, I respect people who make their own scene and produce their own shows and stuff. That's like you said earlier, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love Denver comedy. Oh, so much. I'm going to, I'm supposed to, I need to write a thing. I've got to write a thing for the comedy book. Mm-hmm. Colorado comedy book and I think I might just write like a love letter to comedy in Denver because cool. it's not just Denver I like I loved Denver before I did comedy I lived there for two years and I came back here and that's when I started and so mm-hmm. I love Denver the city I love comedy I love Denver comedy so <laughs> like I need to just get really fucking high <laughs> write a love letter to Denver comedy. So, but I do, I'm going to go ahead and let you go. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, uh, for the invite. I really had fun. And um, when you're back in Denver and this is all over, we'll have to do a show and have a little smoke or whatever, you know, something, man, I'm ready. As soon as you won't (laughs) kill me or anyone else, I'll get back at it. (laughs) <laughs> all right all right thank you have a good day yeah you too thank you take care you too bye